Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Usually we greet you, Bump. Like, hey, Bump, how are you doing? Hey. Get a, yeah, we're, hey, we're, we're accustomed. Up, we're, we're, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is old hat. We've got this patter on down. Question number one. Still getting suggestions on villains. Jeff George. No, Jeff George was a mustache, not a villain. Jeff George. Jeff George could fling it. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff George. Jeff George could fling a football. Yes, he people could. did not like Jeff George, and his teammates <laughs> might have thought him as a villain. But man, that man could throw a football. Question one: Rashad Penny's entering a contract year. What kind of production does he need to show to fit into the Seahawks' long-term plans? Given they've just re-signed Chris Carson, this is a big year for him, man. First year, 400 yards. Second year, 300. Last year, only played in three games. His main thing is availability. He's never played a full season. Um, he's been banged up. So what does he need to do this year? I think he needs to hover around five, 600 yards. He's ha- he has to be a solid number two. Chris Carson is going to go for 1,000. I firmly believe that. If he plays 14 games, I think he'll get there. But he, Penny has to be able to come off the bench and make at least five big plays this year. He needs five runs over 20, 25 yards. If, if, if he gets five runs over 20, 25 yards, that just means he's comfortable in this offense. He's seeing the gaps. He's filling the game. So he needs five to 600 yards, four to six touchdowns. If he can do that, and then Carson gets his 1,000 yards, they're going to look at these two and be like, okay, we got something to work with here for at least the next two to three years. And maybe when Carson is done, he'll pass the torch to Penny. But this is a big year for Penny. I just hope the young man stays healthy. I mean, that, that's been his biggest issue. And at the running back position, it's hard to do because you're either getting hit or you're hitting every single play. You're either in pass pro, picking up blitzing linebackers, or you're running the rock, and those linebackers are flying downhill hill trying to hit you. Big year for this young man. Yeah, you're either the hammer or the nail at, at that spot. Asking for the big play, that that was what Seattle's hope was for him. And the feeling was that he was that combination of size and speed that he would he would have a little bit of home run threat to him. Yeah. That it wasn't, he's not a, a fast little scat back, but he was someone who was going to be able to turn the corner and get there. So that's actually something that should suit his skill set, being that sort of five, six runs, 25 yards or more like that. That that would that would stay consistent to what the Seahawks thought they were getting or or profile projected him as when they drafted him. Screen game. Get him in the screen game. Question two. Adrian Peterson says he is looking to join a contender for a chance at a ring. You okay with guys doing the ring chasing thing? If you are fortunate enough to play in the NFL into your thirties, you chase that ring, Danny. I, I'm, I'm all for it, man, because, one, you're lucky to be there. Most careers are three years. Look at LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. Back-to-back years, he won a ring. I don't know if he was necessarily chasing. Maybe with the Chiefs. Yeah, he definitely was chasing. You go to the Chiefs, then you go to yeah. Tampa Bay, you're chasing a ring. I'm okay with it in the NFL. In the NBA, that's what kind of irks me a bit, young guys chasing it. I'm like, you got to pay your dues before you're, you're able to chase rings. You can't be a young guy in your 20s chasing rings. So I'm okay with it. And – Adrian Peterson, Peterson, excuse me, should take a nice look at the Seattle Seahawks because I feel like he can be a nice number three back. I don't think he's going to cause any problems. 
I know he had issues with uh, his son years yeah. years back, but he, he's been out of trouble since, hasn't gotten any trouble. He'll help any team out. He's not going to be your number one guy. Maybe number two, really number three. You're in your 30s in the NFL. Go ahead and chase that ring. I'm all for it. Does it mean as much to an athlete? Which means more to an athlete? Being a dominant player like Adrian Peterson was with with the Vikings and, and sort of staying in that spot or becoming a lesser role on a more successful team. And maybe maybe Peterson is someone who can get best of both worlds, right? Can be an yeah. NFL MVP with a with a Vikings team that didn't win it and you cap it off and win a championship. But I've always wondered that, especially as we see younger guys trying to join up and put themselves in favorable teams. If you're the number four guy on an NBA team and you win an NBA championship, is that more meaningful you, to you than being the best player in an all-star on a lesser team? Uh, man, I think it comes down to age. Where are yeah. you in your career? Because you enter the league, I don't care if you're the seventh-round pick or first-round pick, you want to be the guy. You want to contribute. You want the numbers. You want the fame. You want to score touchdowns, get buckets, whatever you're doing. You want to be the guy. Now, as you get older and you start to realize the business and you start to understand yourself and where you fit on this team, then I think you're okay with, okay, I'm just going to do my job, play my role, play my position, and contribute. So early in your career, guys want the, the fame. They want the love. They want to put up those points, those numbers. As you get older, you're just happy to be there. I'm still here. I'm still making money. I'm still playing this game. I'm going to play my position, play my role. It's... This is one of those sort of timeless sports debates. I, I always think in those situations, I think of the 1997 Florida Marlins. They, they won the World Series. And it was with a team of largely like hired guns is the kind of term that you'll use. But like Gary Sheffield was there. I think Darren Dalton was on that team. Bobby Bonilla. Like it was a bunch of dudes that had not been on that team. They did That team was put together through free agency, which is something you have every right to do in Major League Baseball. Like Sheffield... I would think of Sheffield as their as their best hitter. Um, may, maybe he, I thought he was he was their best player. Moise Alou was also. Does that mean as much to a guy as being like when you had your best season and were like a much better player? Like Gary Sheffield was chasing a triple crown with the Padres and Fred yeah. McGriffin. No, they didn't ever. But it's always interesting to me. Like, does that become the crowning moment? Of of your, does Gary Sheffield think of that as the as the highlight of his career, winning that nineteen ninety seven World Series, or Darren Dalton, who lost a World Series with a Phillies team? Maybe that's even better example. He lost a World Series with a Phillies team that was constructed and matured and grew together. Or is it because you won the championship, even if you weren't in as big a role or as good a player? How do how do those things compare? I think winning is the pinnacle right yeah you play to win you want to win ballgames but now your legacy your legacy is what you've done individually so it's kind of hard to put the two together because i guarantee you sheffield thinks about those times winning a world series and and he smiles but when we talk about him we talk about his legacy and what he did individually as a player uh, so it's when we're talking to the masses it's a legacy then when we break it down and talk about his accomplishments and and how you contribute it, it's, it's tricky, man, because you want both. You want to yeah. win, you want a ball. You know, I, yeah. if, if, if you ask me, Danny, I'm like, if you ask me, would I rather win a championship or be 
a pro bowler. Early in my career, I'm going to say a pro bowl off top. You know why? Because uh-huh. that's going to make that's going to make me money. Uh, I there's guys who, on Super Bowl teams who don't contribute, who ain't going to make no money off the Super Bowl. Individually, it's about you. You have to produce. It's it's all it's father time controls a lot of this this conversation. Yeah, all the time. it's. It's fast, and it's a different perspective depending on if you're someone like me who's just a fan or an observer and the, and the athlete. Because I think about it, Darren Dalton is, I think, much more of Darren Dalton based on what he did with those Phillies teams in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't win a World Series, they ended up losing to the Toronto Blue Jays on Joe Carter's home run. He might look at the World Series he won with that sort of what I consider this artificial Marlins team as being crowning. <laughs> like, I wonder, if, if Adrian Peterson hooks on hooks on with a team and ends up getting to a Super Bowl. Like, that's certainly part of his resume and something that he'll he'll treasure. Will he feel as good about that Super Bowl ring as he does about the MVP season he had, which in my mind, it's not even close. Like, what Adrian Peterson did coming back from, from knee ligament. Knee surgery. And, oh, like, it's just that. It doesn't even compare. The, the ring, I'm sure that's nice for you, but that doesn't, to me, embody why you were great as a player. Like... You were long for the ride at that point. <laughs> and a guy a guy like me, I haven't won anything in football, Danny. Absolutely nothing. I mean, maybe in high school we won league championships, but after that at Wazoo we didn't win anything. When I was in league we didn't win anything. So my whole career it was motivated off of just me performing well because I'm like, all right, my team isn't very good. Um, I think Adrian Peterson is going to look at his MVP season as the pinnacle of his career, his best moments. But I know that. Because he's been able to hang around so long, if he were to get a Super Bowl, I think he's going to cry. I think he's going to appreciate it more. If you get that ring early in your season, you hear guys talk about it, uh, it, it loses its uh, you know, its, its impact. Now, you hang around and you get this thing late and you've had such a great career, it, it's a big deal. All right, question number three. We'll shift a little bit to the draft. we got eight days before the Seahawks. Well, they're probably not going to be making a pick the first day. We'll see if they may end up making a pick on the second day. they got three picks in this upcoming draft. Are there any wide receivers you've got your eye on in, in, in this upcoming draft? Are there guys that you've been looking at? Well, you got the heavy hitters, right? you got Jamar Chase. you got Jalen from Alabama, Devontae from Alabama. But there's this kid, man, out of Western Michigan, Dwayne Eskridge, who I like. He's a smaller receiver. He's 5'9", 190 pounds. The dude is fast. Had 34 receptions for 784 yards and eight touchdowns. I see him fitting into this offense beautifully. We talk about Tyler Lockett playing the slot. DK moves to the slot sometimes as well. But they're not slot receivers. They can play in the slot, but I just don't see them as slot receivers. You got This guy is a slot receiver. He's shifty. He gets down into space. He can make something out of nothing. And he's not making a lot of noise. Guarantee you, you haven't heard about this kid, right, Danny? Haven't I heard have about not. him. Right? I, think I, I think you brought him up before, but if it is, it's only because of you. Yeah. No one's talking about this guy. These are the type of guys that the Seahawks go after. They're like, look, I don't care where you went to school, what your name is. Can you fit within this offense? And I see what Shane has done with the Rams. And I think this guy can fit, man. Dwayne Eskridge, Western Michigan. Now, it, one of the bigger changes in going from Tim Ruskell when he was running the personnel department to what the Seahawks do with John Schneider, it used to be the Seahawks wouldn't consider a player like this. I mean, they, they really didn't. Tim Ruskell wanted guys from Power 5 schools, and his rationale was, I've see, I know that they've competed their way to the top of the depth chart. 
If you if you end up on the field at USC, it's not because you were you were highly regarded as a recruit. Like you've got to beat dudes. You've got to last in that program. You've you've got to be worthwhile. Like you've got to show staying power to get on the field there. And yeah. you'd be like, guy at a smaller school, like he might have been just the most physically gifted, and so they're trying to get the most. You, you don't know how he's going to respond to competing against guys that are just as athletically gifted as him. John's Schneider's been completely the opposite. Like I I, I want to look for the hidden gem and the guy that's from a uh, Oklahoma was it southeast Oklahoma wherever David Moore <laughs> I mean they've found some dudes in some nooks and some crannies northwestern mm-hmm. state where they fished Jeremy Lane out of do you, do you like Seattle's willingness to go uh, over small school guys it, it's certainly the reason that they would consider someone like Dwayne Eskridge I love it I mean obviously you have guys in the power five who are proven they've climb the way up the depth chart. They play against ranked teams every year. But everyone's after those guys. Everyone's after the pretty girl in high school. You know, what yeah. about who's the 10? What about the, the 8 who has a great personality and well-rounded and she's smart and she does all these other things and, and can help a ball club? I'm talking about athletes now. I think you have to find those to make your team um, what I, I would say uh, full. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's going to chase after the, the shiny new toy, and, and someone's going to get that toy. But there are, there are a lot more other type of players, role players, that you need uh, to help your team out. Now, you don't expect a guy from Western Michigan to come in and be a number one receiver. You don't need that. You already have a number one. You already have a number two. So, yeah, you take a look at the guys who have done it at a high level, but there's a bunch of other guys that are seventh-round picks, sixth-round picks, diamonds in the rough. NFL is full of diamonds in the rough all over the place. It is Danny Gallant. That's Blue 42. Uh, Michael Bumpus with us for Blue 42 every Wednesday and Friday.